Hello, and welcome to the Rage Story of Survival podcast. I am its host, Dane Green, and this is episode 19, where we will be reading chapter 19, Jason, August 24th. Aaron twitches while I watch him. It's obvious that he's in a tremendous amount of pain, and I'm not sure he'll ever wake up. As I listen to the scratching noises coming from the walls, I can't help but feel exposed. There's no telling how long we can hole up in this place. We have food and water, but even with what we salvage from the boat, we have a week before supplies run out. The situation looks hopeless, and to top it off, Aaron has collapsed and lies unconscious. When I look around, I see that the others look as panicked as I do. None of us seem to think we'll survive this. Evelyn screams and yells as tears roll down her face. She's been screaming at Sophia ever since Aaron collapsed. Help him, Sophia. You're not a good doctor if you can't help him. He'll save us. I know it. My ears close to her pleas for help. It hurts not to listen, but I'm not sure what we can do for her. The poor girl has driven herself into a frenzy, and there's nothing any of us can do for Aaron right now. The only thing we can do is wait and hope he comes out of it. As I watch Sophia, I notice her grab something from her bag. Whatever she grabs, she forces Evelyn to take. Thinking of what I would do in that situation, I figure she must have given her something to put her to sleep. The pill has no immediate effects, and Evelyn, angry at being forced to take something, lashes out at Sophia. After a few minutes, though, she becomes silent and falls asleep. Sophia did the right thing by drugging Evelyn. The girl was past calming down. I envy her a little, because it might be better to not be awake tonight. If these walls don't hold, or the palemen make it inside, we'll all die here. Going out in your sleep would be the best way to die. When I look back to Aaron, I see that he's still twitching. Brian is sitting near him, and he has his gun ready. Something has been up with Aaron lately, and I figured this has something to do with it. Seeing Brian ready to shoot him tells me that it's something dangerous. I'm so focused on watching Aaron that I don't see Melanie approaching me. Only when she taps me on my shoulder do I realize she's there. Though I'm a little startled, I manage to maintain my composure. Jason, we need to do something. Everyone's anxious and afraid. Brian's determined to watch over Aaron, and Sophia's determined to watch over Evelyn. Everyone's starting to lose hope. You and me need to do something to help give everyone hope again. Melanie's right. The only thing sitting around is going to do is make things worse. Though I'm not sure what we can do to help, anything is better than sitting and waiting for death to take us. Yeah, you're right. What do you want to do? Melanie pauses, and I can tell she doesn't have a plan. She was expecting me to have some idea of what to do. I can't think of anything, though, and we sit in silence for a minute. When I'm starting to think there's nothing to do, she speaks up. I wish there was some way to scout out things. If we could get a look at what we're dealing with, we may be able to find a way to run past this mob. Her idea is simple, but I realize she's right. We can't give up without scouting. It might seem like we're outnumbered now, but we might be wrong. For all we know, we could slip through the palemen. The only way to find out would be to go through the building and check the windows. 
When I listen to the scratching, it seems like it's only coming from the outside. As far as I can tell, no palemen have made it inside yet. What if we checked inside? I ask. I doubt the palemen have found a way in yet. Even if a few have made it inside, I can shoot them. Melanie nods, and I can tell that she's excited about the prospects of escape. Why don't we grab a bag, too? Melanie asks. This place could have some food. That way, even if we are stuck here, we have some more time. We all know the palemen might calm down and leave in a week. If we find extra food, then it might keep us supplied long enough to make our getaway. The more I think about it, the more reason I find to scout the building. We could also find tools to better barricade the door to the showers, or even weapons and things to set traps. As I ponder the possibilities, I'm excited to explore the building. Melanie and I start getting ready. I walk over to where the bags are stored, then grab the one that seems empty. It's a little heavy, but I figure it's as good as any. Next, I grab Melanie, and we talk to the others and tell them our plan. Everyone approves, and I can see it sparks some hope in them. We make a few more preparations, and I get my rifle. After checking to make sure everything is working, I load and shoulder it, then go to the door. Melanie and I remove the barricades from the door. Then I have her open it. I ready my rifle and look around, confirming my earlier thoughts that the hallway is secure. After triple checking, I step through, making sure to stay alert as I do so. After I signal to Melanie, she follows my lead and shuts the door behind her. On our way through the building, we don't see any palemen. Oddly, I also notice that there's no scratching on the walls. Somehow, they must know what room we're in. How they're behaving is interesting. I would have expected them to force their way in. There's no general, but the palemen are acting in unity. I've never seen them behave like this, and it's making me uneasy. When I look through the windows, we pass them. When we pass by the windows, I look through them and see that we're surrounded. The bodies I see outside the windows are so thick I can't see past them. All I see is a literal wall of flesh. As I catch Melanie's eye, we both know that escape right now is impossible, at least from what we can see. She signals to see if I still want to continue exploring. Since the pale men appear inactive, I see nothing to lose and nod yes to her. As we go through the building, I make sure to memorize every turn we take and make a virtual map in my head. If we get the chance to come out again, I'll have to remember to draw a map before we do so. The search proves uneventful until we run across what appears to be a break room. It's then that I realize what this building is. It must have been a staff hut for the lifeguards who worked at the nearby beach. As if to confirm this, I remember seeing a lifeguard tower nearby when we were swimming. Since this was a staff area, there's a good chance we'll find something useful in these lockers. I signal Melanie to go through the lockers while I stand with my gun sight on the open door. Since I'm facing away from her, I can't see what she's doing. Every so often, she slips something into my bag. I enjoy the silence for a while and think about how well things are going. As if to spite me, the sound of footsteps come from the hallway. They're drowned out by a loud crash coming from behind me. When I look back and see that one of the locker doors has fallen off, Melanie looks at me apologetically. 
The footsteps I heard a moment ago return, and they're much closer and moving with more haste. Whatever's responsible for the footsteps will be here soon, so I decide silence is no longer a concern. Don't worry about the noise, I say. Something was headed our way anyway. After it's visible, I'll shoot it, and then we'll run back to base. Does that plan sound good to you? Melanie nods, and I turn back to the door, preparing myself. A few seconds later, a paleman peeks through the door. In such close proximity, the shot to the head is an easy one. He's dead before the echo of the gunfire ends. Whatever was keeping the paleman calm breaks, and I hear slamming on the outside walls. Melanie and I start running. We both sense how important it is to get back immediately. As we run through the recently silent halls, I look at the windows. Every one we pass is smashed open, and a multitude of hands and bodies are struggling to come through. The halls are wide, and we manage to go past them unscathed. We turn down the last hallway and are greeted with a worrying sight. The hallway is much narrower than the others. Besides, there are two windows on either side. Like all the windows, these are broken and hands are reaching through. Unlike the other windows, though, there's no way around these ones. Surely I can divert the paleman's attention long enough for Melanie to get through. After that, I might be able to slip underneath the hort's grasp. I hear footsteps approaching from behind us, and I know we don't have much time. I explain the plan to Melanie, and we ready ourselves. Motioning for Melanie to go, I start firing into the window. My tactics work, and the hands retract enough for Melanie to run and slip under their grasp. She turns around and looks at me. The shower door behind her opens, and Brian appears. Looking at the arms, I know I can't fire and run without drawing attention to myself. If I crawl, I can make it through the hallway unscathed, but not with this bag on my back. The footsteps from behind me are getting closer, and I know I've run out of time. With only seconds to think, I decide that a brute force run might be enough to break through this sea of arms. The palemen have no way of expecting it, so it might work. I drop my gun to the floor and kick it to Brian. Taking a deep breath, I run towards the arms with all my strength. Memories of the childhood game of Red Rover come to my mind as I run past the multitude of arms. Deja vu hits me when my body is slammed to a stop. My shoulders scream out with pain and I realize that one of the palemen must have grabbed my backpack. Before I have time to panic, though, Someone from the other side of the horde grabs my arm and pulls. I slip off one of the straps of my backpack, and luckily the other rips. As soon as I'm free of their grasps, all three of us dash into the showering room. We shut, lock, and barricade the door behind us before taking a second to breathe. Pain radiates from my shoulders, but I'm glad to have escaped unscathed and alive. It's too bad we lost the things we found and the bag, but at least I'm still breathing. Smiling, I look at Brian, expecting to see some relief, but when our gazes meet, all I see is anger. I'm confused by his reaction. We did nothing wrong. If we hadn't had such bad luck, we would have made it back here with more supplies, as well as a good understanding of our situation and surroundings. Only when he speaks do I realize why he's angry. 
Did you idiots even check the bag before taking it? The one you took had all our food in it. His statement is so shocking that I don't know what to say. I didn't check the bag before leaving. I figured it would be the best one to grab since it wasn't that full. Now because I failed to check the bag, I threw away our chances for survival. Without food, we have no more than two days before we're too weak to travel to Garden Island. I- I'm sorry. I, I didn't think. I-, I didn't know I had it, Brian. I'm sorry. Brian looks at me, and I see him calm a little. It doesn't matter. What's done is done. It doesn't change our fate much. I'm glad you two got back in one piece. Were you bitten anywhere? His sudden reversal of mood confuses me, but I nod no to him. Not satisfied, he checks over us himself. Well, at least you're infection-free. Now that you two are back, I need to show you something. Without another word, Brian turns around and walks to the other side of the room. Once there, he points to the skylight in the ceiling. What you need to see is on the roof, he says. I'll boost you and Melanie up there. Brian helps me get up through the skylight and onto the roof. While I'm climbing up, I wish I'd thought of this before we went on our adventure. When I make it up, I immediately turn around to help lift Melanie. Once I get Melanie on the roof, we stand up together. Based on what we saw through the windows, I figured we were surrounded. But what I'm seeing now seems impossible. All around us are hundreds, even thousands, of palemen. There's no path through them, or any way I can see of avoiding them. The mass of bodies is staggering. Their movement seems like that of a unified body. The view reminds me of pictures I've seen of rock concerts. Walls of people moving back and forth to the beat of the music. Now I see why Brian wasn't mad for very long. True, I lost the food, but all that did was shorten our lives by a week or so. As I look into this sea of palemen, the realization of our defeat strikes me. There's no escaping this horde. Our fate and our deaths have been sealed. Words escape me, and unsure of what to do, I sit down and stare at the masses. Melanie sits by my side and lays her head on my shoulder. She's never shown any affection towards me, but I can understand her actions. Right now I'm so hopeless that I wish I had someone to hold me. Wanting to feel close to someone right now, I put my arm around her, knowing that if I were in her place, it's what I'd want. Meanwhile, I'm wondering who's supposed to comfort me. Hey, Jason, she says. I'm wondering, what were you going to do if we made it to Garden Island? I don't know why Melanie is asking, but I decide there's no harm in telling her now. Well, I wanted to start a school. I wanted to teach kids and other people how the world is now and how it used to be. When I pause to remember my motivation, I remember what happened after the blackout. The vivid memory of the girl's death comes back to me, and I watch her murder in my mind for the millionth time. Normally I would push the grief away, but now that I know I'll be dead soon, I find no reason to. I decide to talk to Melanie about it. 
After I tell her about the pain and grief the event has caused me, I begin to feel some relief. Like a dam breaking, I tell her all about my worries and pain throughout this journey. Even though I thought I was the one comforting Melanie, it turns out she's ended up comforting me. Melanie listens throughout and only interrupts me to ask an occasional question. After I've finished, she's silent for several minutes, then says, You know, Jason, I would have helped you. It's funny, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do until you talked to me. If I'd made it to the island, I would have taken all my photos and put them together. After that, I would have written stories for each one, forming a book of our journey and everything we know about the Pale Men. With the book I created, I'd show people what happened to the world. If we had made it, I bet we would have ended up working together. She's right. If we made it to the island, we would have ended up working together. For some reason, this thought makes me a little happy, even though I know it can never come true now. When I take a moment to think about how much a book like the one Melanie wanted to create could educate others, I realize that students would have tangible proof of how the world fell. Someday, this infection will die out, and there will be a need for stories. People will need to remember how horrifying this epidemic was. If they don't, there's no hope of avoiding another one. History was never a favorite subject in school for me, but now I realize how important it was. What Melanie would be creating is a history book. When I tell her about my realization, she surprises me by laughing. I always hated history, she says. All I can imagine is some kids like me sitting in class, trying not to fall asleep while being forced to study my book. The picture she paints makes me laugh. It feels good to laugh, and I forget for a minute that we're in a helpless situation. We spend minutes laughing and only stop when our sides are aching and we're out of breath. It's been more than a year since I laughed like this. Thinking back to the last time, I realize it was before the world changed. Smiling, I'm glad that I shared some joy with someone before the end. We stare back out to the horde, and my mind slips back to history. All throughout history are instances of some great events that changed mankind. I was foolish to ever believe that our generation would be an exception to the pattern. The best man can hope for is that it avoids causing the same tragedy twice. Mankind was due for a great change. These pale men might as well be soldiers attacking Troy, or the barbarians sacking Rome. The world will be forever changed by this disease, and no one is to blame but humanity. Who knows if the epidemic is worldwide or only in America? All I know is, if we don't die here, I'll teach anyone I can about this war, and all the others. That way we can move forward and on to man's next stage. As I look over to Melanie, I say, Are you ready to go down yet? Yeah, might as well. I suppose the others will want to talk about what to do. We make our way down. I go first, then help Melanie. Once we're both inside the building again, I take a quick look around the room. Little has changed. Brian's by an unconscious Aaron, and Sophia has Evelyn in her lap. I decide that I'll break the silence and speak up. I'm sorry I lost the food, everyone. 
It's robbed us of a few weeks of living and a way to escape. I wish I could find a way to repay everyone, but I know I can't. We need to move on, though, and figure out what we want to do. Aaron's collapsed and sick. He might not recover. We have a week of strength left before we're hopeless. It would be best if we decide how we want to die now, while we still have a say. I stand waiting for someone to speak up. After a few moments, Sophia stands. I don't see a way out of any of this. I don't have enough medicine to kill us all. In fact, I gave the only medicine I had to Evelyn, and that was only a sleeping pill. Before Sophia spoke, I hadn't realized that suicide was an option. At first, I'm appalled, but the more I think about it, the more I realize how much better it would be than mauling or starvation. Before I can pursue my thoughts further, Sophia continues. Whatever we decide on, it should be done before Evelyn wakes up. I don't want her to suffer a bloody death or die of starvation. It would be best to kill her now, regardless of what we choose. Brian looks over at her, and I can see disdain. So that's her only option, then? To kill ourselves? Why would we want to do that? I say we go out and kill as many of those bastards as we can. We should kill enough that the next group to come along won't end up in the same place we did. Brian and Sophia are staring at each other with disgust. Fearing an argument, I walk between the two. So, our options are to wait and starve, to kill ourselves, or to die fighting? The easiest way to decide is by vote. Can everyone agree to follow a majority? Looking at Brian, I can tell that he's angry. When he nods his agreement, I'm a bit surprised. Next, I look over to Sophia, and she nods as well. Finally, I look at Melanie, and she nods. I take charge and go through each option, telling people to raise their hand for the option they choose. The vote wins three to one for us to kill ourselves. Brian, the only one who wants to fight. There was a second when I almost voted with him, but then I realized how tired of fighting I was. After all the pain caused by this journey, I decide I wanted a simple ending. The idea of a calm and painless end sounded better than more fighting. After we vote, we decide that everyone will shoot themselves after Evelyn and Aaron are killed. After a while, Brian agrees to kill Aaron, and Sophia will kill Evelyn. We all prepare and say our final goodbyes. Brian readies his gun, putting it against Aaron's head. We all take a final look at Aaron, and Brian starts his countdown. Before he can reach the end, Aaron pops up and looks around. When I look at Aaron, I see that he's in absolute terror. Somehow, I know it's him there, and not something else in control. Aaron didn't become what Brian feared he would. A flame ignites within me, and I want to survive. It makes no sense. Aaron being awake changes nothing. We're all still doomed to starve or die. My mind tries to tell me that hope is pointless now, but as I look at Aaron, I know in my heart that this changes everything. This has been episode 19 of the Rage of Story of Survival podcast. I hope you enjoyed and hope to see you on the next one.
Hey, you still with me? If you listen this far into the podcast, you must have enjoyed my content. If you enjoy my work and what I am doing here, you should check out the bonus episode of this series. It is the intro to the next book I am writing. If you want to learn more, you should come listen to it and check it out.